Welcome to the No Neutral Moments Podcast. My name is Patrick Payton, and it's my pleasure to discuss, to explore, and maybe even to discover what it means for each one of us to live our lives fully engaged, to challenge each one of us to be fully aware, and completely expecting to engage to the fullest everything we've been designed, called, and gifted to be. So with all this in mind, let's not waste any more time. Let's go ahead and get engaged. Well, hello there, and welcome to this episode of the No Neutral Moments podcast. My name is Patrick Payton. It's an honor to be with you and to host this podcast. It's an incredible honor to have you listening to this podcast and sharing this podcast with so many of your friends and family and work associates. And so um, let's get started. Uh, I know we have not been putting out podcasts every single week, uh, but thank you again for your faithfulness, and we're continuing to um, work on some things in order to, I guess you could say, grow the brand. Uh, you can email me at uh, patrick at payton, P-A-Y-T-O-N, paytongroupllc.com. Uh, if you're interested in being a part of this um, this podcast, as far as being a sponsor, uh, we also are working on new rates and various things, so we can do shout-outs and all kinds of stuff we're excited about 2021 and so thankful for the team that is helping us to do this. But let's dive right in. Uh, Not too long ago, I was given a book by a friend of mine called Leadership in Turbulent Times. The author is Doris Kearns Goodwin, who is a prolific uh, history writer. And it was a fantastic book, all about Abraham Lincoln, all about uh, how he was leading and the principles of leadership in his life uh, and in his administration during the Civil War. And throughout the book, Doris Kearns Goodwin talks about these leadership values that her research brought her to conclude about Abraham Lincoln's life. And when I read these leadership values, I immediately went to my uh, favorite book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and I wanted to see if there is truly nothing new under the sun, which is what the Bible tells us then these principles are going to stand the test of time against each other, and they're going to be um, similar in each other. So what I wanted to do, given the the nature of leadership in our country right now and what's happening all over the place with such vitriol, with such anger, with such what seems to be an inability to have a discussion, I think it's just important for us to continue to take a deep dive into leadership because every single one of us is a leader. Every single person has influence in their lives. John Maxwell says leadership uh, is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And every one, of, every one of us, as we're trying to discover what we're designed, called, and gifted to be, need to understand that in our design, we are actually called out as well, and we must work on the giftings of leadership. And so we remind ourselves of these values of leadership, these principles of leadership. So I'm going to try to go through them. I'm going to go through them kind of quick with you because there's nine of them. Uh, you might want to listen to this podcast a couple of times or take note of one you might want to apply or two you might want to apply or take one a week, take you a couple of months. But let's get going. And again, this is out of the book, Leadership in Turbulent Times by Doris Kearns Goodwin. And I'm comparing it to the teaching of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People And the subject matter is the leadership values from the life of Abraham Lincoln. So let's dive right in. The first value that uh, Miss Goodwin points out is the following. 
Acknowledge when failed policies demand a change in direction. So you could you could read it this way. You could say acknowledge when failed efforts, acknowledge when failed plans, acknowledge when a failed strategy demands a change in direction. You know, sometimes we get so set in our ways and we can be so stubborn and and maybe even myopic that we just don't want to admit, you know what, this this is not going to work, so we're going to have to change it. And you have to give yourself permission to do that. What you compare that to is what Covey talks about when he discusses shifting your paradigm. What you have to do is take a look at the paradigm who is, that is really not working for you, that's not producing the results in your life that you really are hoping for and that others around you need, and you have to give yourself permission. You also have to have give yourself or, or practice humility to say, you know what, this is just not working. And, and so it begs the question we have to ask, okay, are there practices, are there values, are there policies? What in my life is not working the way it should be working? And therefore, I need to give myself the permission to establish a change in direction. It's a really personal question, and it's one we need to ask. Let's move to the second value. The second value says, gather firsthand information and then ask questions. And there's some subpoints to that, such as understanding the emotional needs of each member of the team. And, and Lincoln was really a master at this, especially with the cabinet he had around him, because he did not establish a cabinet around him that all agreed with him. He actually invited uh, what one person has called his rivals around the table. And so he took the time to understand the emotional needs, because those emotional needs matter. And we live in a day and time as well where emotional needs matter. The second sub-point to gathering firsthand information, then asking questions is, set a standard of mutual respect and dignity. And that's just the back and forth of honoring each other's emotional needs. So really set a standard where you're going to give respect and you're going to expect respect and you're going to give dignity, because after all, these are human beings we deal with every day, designed in the image of God. And the third sub-point to gathering firsthand information and then asking questions is to be accessible and easy to approach. For someone like me, that means you even have to practice your countenance that may not even appear like you're approachable when deep inside you really are. You want people to know that you're approachable and you're accessible. So you have to make sure that you are. That also means you have to make sure if you have a door on your office that it's not always shut and that people realize that you are accessible. Now, what does Covey say about this in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People? When Lincoln is saying, gather first-hand information, he's also demanding that it not be obviously second-hand. He wants to get to the source. He wants to get to the best information. Then you're able to ask questions about real good information. Covey would say it this way, seek first to understand before being understood. Seek first to understand before demanding to be understood. And I think the second thing that Covey would add to this is this principle of practicing win-win situations, not win-lose, uh, not lose-win, not just check out, but really practicing a way that you can sit across the table, so to speak, and you can try to find a way that's a win-win. The other word that uh, Covey will use is the word synergy. So again, that's the second issue Gather firsthand information, gather great information, do your research, get your data, and then ask a lot of questions and do it with the emotional needs of each team member being respected. Do it with great respect and dignity. 
and always be accessible and easy to approach when you're going through the process. Third thing, find time and space to think. Lincoln was a master at this, whether it was a a walk or a horseback ride. In the most stressful times, he would find, intentionally find time and space to think and not to veg out, but to really get into nature. In his case, in our case, you're going to have to figure out where that is that you can find the time and space to think. Oftentimes it has to be a different um, space than just your office or your house. Maybe it's a park, maybe it's a walk, maybe it's a run, whatever it is, but finding the time and space to think. Going along with this is the thought of finding ways to cope with pressure and to maintain balance and to replenish your energy. And most of us are not very good at replenishing our energy. What would Covey say about this? This is Probably if, you, if you've read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, you know this is the easiest one to figure out. Covey would call this sharpening the saw. And, you know, he tells the story about you can use an axe that's dull and whack at the tree all you want, but if you'll just take some time to sharpen the saw, you can cut the tree down faster. So in this regard, this leadership value in the turbulent times of the Civil War, you know, if you and I think that we don't have time to think and our issues are pressing, imagine being Abraham Lincoln trying to lead the nation through this devastating war called the Civil War. And the principle and the value that he applied was always finding time and space to think. Demands the question, are you finding time and space to think? Whether it's early in the morning, whether it's late at night, middle of the afternoon, what time are you giving yourself to think and to meditate so that you're asking the right questions and you're determining the right policies if you work yourself back up through the list I've already given you? Let's talk about the fourth one. Exhaust the possibilities for compromise before imposing unilateral decisions. In the in the case of Lincoln, the way Doris Kearns Goodwin says this is exhaust the possibilities for compromise before imposing unilateral executive power. This is probably more applicable for those of you that are in, for lack of a better word, executive positions where you can pull rank or pull authority and make a decision and it might um, hurt certain people or certain departments or whatever it is. But what Goodwin points out to us is how many times Lincoln, surrounded by those who supported him and those who were also rivals, but in his administration working for the same nation, would exhaust the possibilities for compromise Better word than compromise is synergy. In other words, a solution that the two of you would not come up with individually, but together you come up with even a better plan before you make the decision to just unilaterally decide. A bit repetitive in that, but she's not eliminating the fact that in Lincoln's life, he had to sometimes make a unilateral decision and exercise executive power, but it was a last resort if he couldn't work through firsthand information and asking questions, thinking, and then working with his team to exhaust possibilities. This can be exhausting, obviously. This can take more time than we want to give it. This can be frustrating in leadership sometimes, but the higher you go in leadership and the more responsibility you have, oftentimes the slower you have to go to ask a ton of questions, exhaust possibilities, look for compromise or synergy. What would Covey say about this? A couple of, couple of them we've kind of already alluded to, but Covey would, uh, 
would call this working with a think win-win mindset. We've already talked about that. Covey would talk about how this is seeking synergy, not just compromise. And another phrase Covey would use is creative compromise. Let me give you a couple of sub points when you're working through exhausting possibilities for compromise and synergy before you impose unilateral power. One is do enough thinking while you're finding time and space to think that you are anticipating what the contending viewpoints are going to be. In other words, you should know your people around you well enough to know how they're going to disagree, what ways they might disagree, so that you can be ready for that discussion. It doesn't mean you're preparing to prove them wrong, but it allows you to think through the process better. If you do decide to exercise unilateral power, then be willing to take full responsibility for any pivotal decision. That means you don't say, well, I made the decision because nobody else would work with me on this. It just means you take full responsibility which takes you back up to point number one, which was acknowledge when it's a failed policy that even you made the decision to do. And a third thing, when you're exhausting possibilities to work with others, is always shield your team or your colleagues from blame. Shield your colleagues and shield your team from blame. This goes back to the issue that if you are the leader, you're the one that takes the blame for the team. So we're acknowledging failed policies. We're gathering information and asking questions. We're finding time and space to think. We're exhausting every possibility for compromise and synergy before making a unilateral decision. And number five, refuse to let past resentments fester, transcend personal vendettas. I love the way Doris Kearns Goodwin talks about this, because if any politician had a reason to hold resentments and let them fester and to hold um, grievances and vendettas against political opponents, it was Lincoln. Again, I, I, I really recommend the book to you, Leadership in Turbulent Times, so you can see more of this story. This is also a value and a principle that I think we could maybe um, paint on the side of a truck and drive it all the way around Washington, D.C., lap after lap after lap to help people to understand that if you want to be a leader uh, like Lincoln, then you have to refuse to let past resentments fester when people have hurt you. And certainly they have, you got to just let it go, so to speak, to quote frozen. And then you have to find a way to be mature enough, humble enough and meek enough to transcend personal vendettas. And really for, uh, I think for Covey, this is in the realm of beginning with the end in mind. In other words, you begin with where you're trying to get, and you're going to get there with people and not through people, and you're going to set people free from your festering resentments or personal vendettas. I'm going quickly through this point, but it's a big deal. Everybody knows what it's like in the workplace uh, to have someone hurt you or maybe deceive you or say something about you, and, and you may have to work with these individuals on a leadership team, and if you want to be a leader... In the, in the pattern of Abraham Lincoln, uh, Doris Kearns Goodwin says she's noticed in all of her historical research with Lincoln that he just would not hold resentments and he would not hold vendettas. So you're not holding these vendettas and resentments. That way you're also able to exhaust possibilities for compromise with people because you're not holding something over their head. You're always finding the time and space to think. You're gathering firsthand information and asking questions. And you're always ready to change a policy if you discover that through this whole process, it wasn't the best policy. Let's go to the next one. Just a few more here. Maintain perspective 
in the face of both accolades and abuse. Maintain perspective. That means you got to know who you are. You got to know what you stand for and you got to know where you're going. Maintain perspective in the face of accolades or, or praise and abuse. And this is one of those things where I think you have to just be um, confident in yourself and who you are and in your identity so that if the only person speaking anything of value into your life is you, then you're fine with that. Uh, I have this phrase I use that my wife has heard me use over the years that I say, never believe your positive press. And you can go to the other extreme of that, which is when people are shouting things at you and calling you names, you know who you are, you know what you stand for. And if you don't, if you're not secure in your identity, then you're going to have some problems and you're not going to be able to be the kind of leader that you need to be. I think Covey would uh, call this creating a personal vision of humility as you just kind of understand who you are and, and you're confident in who you are. But I love the way uh, Miss Goodwin says it about Lincoln, just maintain perspective in the face of accolades and abuse. And we live in a day and time when people can say whatever they want to say and hardly pay any consequences for it. So you, you, one of the ways you can protect yourself and maintain perspective is be very, very cautious about your exposure to social media and also be very careful about how you read and more importantly, how you respond to uh, email and so forth. Let's go to the next one. This is pretty simple. It's not going to take long. Keep your word. Just keep your word. I think Covey would call this putting first things first, which is these values of who you are. Just keep your word. It's that simple. I don't think, um, even if it means you're going to have to change a failed policy because you keep your word or whatever the issue might be, just, just keep your word. Next to last, know when to hold back and know when to move forward. Know when to hold back and know when to move forward. For Covey, I think this is if you begin with the end in mind, you don't have to worry about whether you have to be in a hurry at times. And if you're always thinking win-win, then you're thinking about bringing others with you and how this affects others. I had a conversation today, speaking of no neutral moments and when to hold back and when to move forward, that uh, somebody that I was coaching asked one of the, asked me, what's one of the things I've been learning over the last 14 months in this uh, political role that I have been in. And and the answer I said was, I have learned the importance of going slower. And when I think I'm going slow, I probably need to slow down some more so that I can work with people better, understand where they're coming from, and realize that if we have a bigger vision in mind, the timing will work itself out. And, and this is really this point right here. You got to know when to hold back, but also have this sense about you that it's time to move forward. But remember, in moving forward, you want to make sure that you've exhausted the possibilities for compromise. You've given yourself time and space to think. You've gathered firsthand information. You've asked questions of your team and you have respected the dignity of one another. You've been accessible. You've honored the emotional needs of one another. And so all these things tie in together so you can know when to hold back and know when to move forward, and to um, also realize that if you feel like you're going to have to move forward unilaterally, sometimes you even slow yourself down again. I hope these have been beneficial. There's one more, so let's finish it out. It is balance transactional, in other words, A for B, and transformational. Balance transactional, in other words, 
I'll give you this if you'll give me that, and transformational. In other words, you're not always wheeling and dealing. You're not trying to make a deal. You're not saying, okay, I'll give you this just so I can get you to agree with me. You're trying to think big picture in your leadership. And so you want to be transformative for the company, for the church, for the organization, for yourself, and for others around you. The reality is, is we kind of live in a system where things are transactional rather than big picture transformational. We live in a culture where it's, I get mine and I'll possibly give you yours, or we think that you're going to get yours and I'm not going to get mine, rather than being guided by bigger values, bigger vision, and bigger pictures so that we can then have transformational moments together. One author says it this way, rather than solving a problem, we're creating something new. And that is transformational. Solving a problem is oftentimes just transactional. Creating something new through gathering information and asking questions and giving yourself time and space to think and working towards compromise and synergy. Releasing festering resentments and personal vendettas so we can continue to work together. Maintaining perspective. Keeping your word. Understanding the timing of holding back and moving forward. These things keep us out of the natural habit of transactional leadership and lead us to the soulish action of transformational leadership. I think Covey would say it this way. It's called paradigms of interdependence. That's a word that Covey uses quite a bit of interdependence. In other words, you got to be, you, you have to be mature enough in your independence so that you can then begin to work with others interdependently And then you can also, the Covey word, synergize. You can come up with even better creative ways to do things rather than just solving the problem. Well, so there you have it. Leadership values from the life of Abraham Lincoln from the book, Leadership in Turbulent Times. I've taken some editorial license with some of those, but I've compared them to the seven habits of highly effective people so we can see that great leadership values really are consistent over the decades and the centuries. Thank you once again for listening to the No Neutral Moments podcast. We look forward to hearing from you as we grow and as you grow, and as all of us keep working towards everything we're designed, called, and gifted to be. God bless until the next time. And remember, there's no such thing as a neutral moment. (laughs) 